MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Today, special counsel Jack Smith has subpoenaed Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. Arizona's Republican attorney general concealed records debunking election fraud claims. We have results in the Wisconsin Supreme Court primary election and Russia propagandists are buying up blue check marks on Twitter. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Dana is still out, but I'm going to be joined later by the amazing duo Frangela, hosts of the Final Word and Idiot of the Week podcasts. And we're going to discuss today's news. GOP lawyers, by the way, are preparing to file motions to quash future indictments out of Georgia because of the four person, you know, the grand jury, special purpose grand jury four person, Ms. Coles, who's been making a, I guess, a media tour because of her public statements. And now the GOP lawyers are saying they want to file motions to quash future indictments from the Georgia special purpose grand jury. But the special purpose grand jury doesn't issue indictments and you can't quash an indictment that hasn't happened yet. So we're going to discuss that on the next cleanup on the aisle 45 pod with Pete Strzok next Wednesday. The first episode with Pete Strzok is out now. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for listening. All right. We do have a lot of news to get to today. A lot. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from Mike Schmidt, Maggie Haberman at The New York Times. Former President Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka, and his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, have been subpoenaed by the special counsel to testify before a federal grand jury about Mr. Trump's efforts to stay in power after he lost the 2020 election and his role in a pro-Trump mobs attack on the Capitol on January 6, 2021. That's according to two people briefed on the matter. That is the most important line in this story. I mean, it's important that they were subpoenaed, you know, in his for Trump's efforts to stay in power. But I think this is actually the first time we've heard public reporting that the special counsel is investigating Trump's role in the physical attack on the Capitol. Other than, you know, some of the rioters being questioned by Department of Justice officials and investigators about any role Trump played with them. But this is very specific, and it's not being really talked about in the media. So I just wanted to draw your attention to that. I think this is the first indication that there is an investigation into Trump's role, his role, in the physical attack on the Capitol. Now, the decision by the special counsel, Jack Smith, to subpoena Ivanka Trump and Kushner underscores how deeply into Trump's inner circle Smith is reaching. And this is the latest sign that no potential high-level witness is off limits. I think that maybe the Pence subpoena probably showed that. This disclosure about the subpoena comes two weeks after it was revealed that Pence was subpoenaed to testify before the grand jury. Pence plans to fight the subpoena, invoking his role as the president of the Senate to argue that it violates the speech or debate clause of the Constitution. It's unclear whether Trump will seek to block Ivanka and Kushner's testifying on the on the grounds of executive privilege. He has tried with some other witnesses, 
Both of them served as White House officials in the Trump administration. Trump declined to try to stop them from testifying before the 1-6 committee. So we'll see what happens here. And from Sanchez and Stanley Becker at The Washington Post, nearly a year after the 2020 election, Arizona's then Attorney General Mark Burnovich launched an investigation into voting in the state's largest county, Maricopa County, that quickly consumed more than 10,000 hours of his staff's time. Investigators prepared a report in March 2022 stating that virtually all claims of error and malfeasance were unfounded, according to internal documents reviewed by The Washington Post. Now, Brnovich, a Republican, kept that report private. In April, the attorney general who was running the GOP primary, he was running for Senate, released an interim report instead, claiming that his office had discovered serious vulnerabilities. He left out edits from his own investigators refuting his assertions. His office then compiled an election review summary in September that systematically refuted accusations of widespread fraud and made clear that none of the complaining parties, from state lawmakers to self-styled election integrity groups, had presented any evidence to support their claims. Brnovich left office last month without releasing the summary. The timeline emerges from documents released to the Post this week by Brnovich's successor, Chris Mays, a Democrat who was elected in the midterms in 2022. She said she considered the taxpayer-funded investigation closed and earlier this month notified leaders on Maricopa County's governing board that they were no longer in the state's crosshairs. The records show how Brnovich used his office to further claims about voting in Maricopa County that his own staff considered inaccurate. They suggest that his administration privately disregarded fact checks provided by state investigators while publicly promoting incomplete accounts of the office's work. The innuendo and inaccuracies helped make Arizona an epicenter of distrust in the democratic process, eroding confidence not just in the 2020 vote, but in subsequent elections too. Now, Brnovich did not respond to questions about his conduct of the probe, his decision to not release additional documents or differences between his public statements and his office's private findings. No response. The documents, two investigative summaries, and a draft letter with edits totaling 41 pages are far from an exhaustive record of Brnovich's investigation, but they fill in details about the sometimes enigmatic actions of the state's former top law enforcement officer. Brnovich quickly affirmed then-President Trump's loss in Arizona in November of 2020, angering fellow Republicans, and he went on to resist Trump's efforts to overturn the vote, but he flirted with claims of election fraud as he courted GOP support over the subsequent two years, trumpeting his interim report on a far-right radio show saying, it's frustrating for all of us, quote, because I think we all know what happened in 2020. It was only in the final days before November of 2022, several months after Brnovich had lost his Senate primary, that he began to denounce politicians who denied Trump's defeat, calling them clowns, engaged in a giant grift. In releasing materials that Brnovich's administration has kept from public view, Mays, the new attorney general, says she was reorienting the work of the attorney general's office away from pursuing conspiratorial claims of fraud and toward protecting the right to vote, investigating the few cases of wrongdoing that typically occur every election and preventing threats against election workers. Quote, the people of Arizona had a right to know this information before the 2022 election, she said in an interview. Maricopa County election officials had a right to know that they were cleared of wrongdoing. And every American had a right to know that the 2020 election in Arizona, which in part decided the presidency, was conducted accurately and fairly. 
The records released this week represent a fraction of the thousands of pages produced by investigators and attorneys during the investigation, including additional material from drafts of reports and interviews and correspondence with witnesses and election officials. Mays' staff is reviewing those documents and is redacting sensitive information before making them public in the coming months. That's according to Richie Taylor, her spokesperson. Brnovich's administration did not release the investigative summaries, which the Post requested under Arizona's public records law before he left office in January. Brnovich and his staff said repeatedly throughout the investigation that they were limited in what they could disclose since the probe was quote-unquote ongoing. The 2020 election in Maricopa County drew intense scrutiny because it's the state's largest voting jurisdiction, home to more than half of the voters, and helped swing Arizona to Joe Biden and deliver him the presidency. Brnovich launched the investigation shortly after the Cyber Ninjas, that's the Florida-based firm hired by the GOP-led Senate, ended its own review of the election in September of 2021. The months-long legislative review, which was roundly criticized by election experts, affirmed Trump's loss in the state. Brnovich was competing at the time in a Senate primary contest against Trump-aligned candidates who said they would have taken steps following the 2020 election to thwart certification of Biden's victory. The attorney general's probe stretched through 2022 as Brnovich's office spent more than 10,000 hours examining claims of irregularities, malfeasance and fraud. And at one point, the office set up a command center and, quote, the review of the audit was made a singular high level priority. All hands were assigned to work exclusively on reviewing the audit with other matters being placed on hold unless a matter required immediate action on our part. Mays said the office had about 60 investigators, all of whom participated in the probe at some point, along with lawyers and support staff. How many crimes could have been investigated in that time? You know, when the Republicans tout this rise in crime, it's because their attorneys general are fucking investigating bullshit and not releasing the reports. By September 2022, a year into the inquiry, the special investigation section had received 638 election-related complaints and deemed 430 of them worthy of investigation. Of those, just 22 cases were submitted for prosecutorial review and two cases involving felons who illegally sought to vote were prosecuted, leading to convictions. Two. 10,000 hours. Two. Convictions. It's like Durham. Now, Brnovich never broadcast the full findings, declined to close the books on suspicions raised by an interim report with characterizations directly rebutted by his own office. The interim report, delivered in the form of a letter to Karen Fan, who's, by the way, in pretty big trouble with a special counsel and then Republican president of the state Senate, was met by Trump allies as confirmation that voting in Maricopa County was corrupt. The letter sent on April 6th highlighted management of early voting saying, quote, we can report that there are problematic system-wide issues that relate to early ballot handling and verification. But Brnovich's staff took issue with his criticism of the handling and verification of ballots, writing in a draft of the letter, we did not uncover any criminality or fraud having been committed in this area during the 2020 general election, unquote. The staff comments were made in blue type, below disputed statements highlighted in yellow, and included in a document sent by a chief special agent in the criminal division to several others in the office on April 1st. That document was forwarded to Brnovich's top aide. The subject line was additional considerations for draft interim report. It's not clear who else reviewed that document, but the considerations were largely not reflected in Brnovich's final version of the interim report. Brnovich speculated that a large number of early ballots in the 2020 contest may have prevented county officials from properly verifying signatures, 
even though his staff advised him that the county had rigorous training and processes as well as additional staff to ensure that verification. Brnovich went ahead with his claim that, quote, Maricopa County had not always timely and fully responded to our request for records, even though staff advised in the draft document that it was the collective opinion of investigators that the county was cooperative and responsive to our requests. Later that same year, Brnovich's office came to further conclusions about the absence of any basis for claims of systemic fraud, but kept those findings private as well. On September 19th, about a month after Brnovich lost the GOP nomination for Senate to a MAGA-aligned candidate who insisted Trump won in 2020, a memo summarized the work of investigators. The memo, drawn up by a chief special agent in anticipation of a final report, was not shared with office leadership since no such final report was ever drafted or requested. The memo, titled Election Review Summary, emphasized that no evidence of election fraud, manipulation of the election process, or any instances, any instances of organized or coordinated fraud was provided by any of the complaining parties. One of the more conspicuous claims examined by investigators, including those circulated by cyber ninjas, the groups did not provide any evidence to support their allegations, the memo concluded. The information they did provide was speculative in many instances, and when investigated by our agents and support staff was found to be inaccurate. The memo also reported that some high-profile Republican officials who had publicly made fantastical claims of fraud, did not reiterate those assertions under questioning by agents when they were subject to state laws prohibiting false reporting to law enforcement. (laughs) Again, saying one thing into the public, saying something else when you're under oath. Mark Fincham, then a state representative who later ran unsuccessfully for Secretary of State, had repeatedly claimed that a source told him that more than 30,000 fictitious votes had appeared during the general election in a county south of Phoenix. But when questioned by agents, he didn't repeat that claim, specifically stating he did not have any evidence of fraud and that he did not wish to take up our time, unquote. Fincham provided four ballots that he said reflected a flawed voting process, but those ballots had not been counted and were unopened. Sonny Borelli, a GOP state senator who had alleged a cover-up of election irregularities, did not repeat those claims during an interview, but did provide what he said was the name of a deceased voter, Investigators learned that the alleged deceased voter was alive and had not voted and was not a resident of Arizona. Investigators sought a meeting with Wendy Rogers, Republican state senator and vocal election denier, who now chairs the chamber's election committee. But Rogers refused to meet, the report said, saying she was waiting to see the perp walk of those who committed fraud during the election. No perp walk resulted from allegations presented to the unit, including that aerial objects had flipped votes, that election workers scrubbed hard drives, and that satellites under the control of the Italian military penetrated vote-counting machines. So, absolute bullshit. Total exoneration of Maricopa County. I can't wait to talk to Adrian Fontes about this. And thanks to the new Attorney General Mays in Arizona for bringing this to light. And the stage for Wisconsin's pivotal April Supreme Court election is set after Milwaukee County Judge Janet Protasiewicz and former Supreme Court Justice Dan Kelly emerged as the top two vote-getters in Tuesday's four-way primary. With 94% of precincts reporting, unofficial results reported by the Associated Press showed that Protasiewicz had 46% of the vote, followed by Kelly with 24%. Waukesha County Judge Jennifer Darrow came in third with 22%, followed by Dane County Judge Everett Mitchell with about 8%. So if you add up the two liberal judges, we have 54%. And if you add up 
the uh, two conservative, we've got 46% total. Tuesday's results placed Protasiewicz and Kelly on a collision course toward what will be one of the most closely watched elections in the country this year. While the race is officially nonpartisan, Protasiewicz is backed by Democrats and Kelly by Republicans. The campaign is expected to shatter spending records for Wisconsin Supreme Court races, and it could quite possibly break the national spending record for a state Supreme Court contest. The prize attracting so much attention is a 10-year term on Wisconsin Supreme Court where the winner will decide the high court's ideological balance. A Kelly victory would preserve the court's 4-3 conservative edge, while a Protasiewicz win could give liberals a majority for the first time since 2008. The consequences of Wisconsin Supreme Court race are hard to overstate. Should Protasiewicz win the general election on April 4th, the court could revisit its 2022 redistricting decision that helped Republicans grow their already lopsided majorities in the Wisconsin legislature. Justices could also overturn Wisconsin's pre-Civil War abortion ban. So, very important. And finally, accounts pushing Kremlin propaganda are using Twitter's new paid verification system to appear more prominently on the global platform, another sign that Elon Musk's takeover is accelerating the spread of politically charged disinformation. And this is according to a nonprofit research group. The accounts claim to be based outside of Russia so they can pay for verification without running afoul of U.S. sanctions. But they pass along articles from state-run media, statements by Russian officials, and lies about Ukraine from Kremlin allies, according to the research group Reset, which shared its findings with The Post. One of the accounts describes itself in English as no woke, no BLM, no gender pronouns, just anti-imperialism. Purporting to be based in San Francisco, its profile picture shows a blonde woman wearing a fur hat with a hammer and sickle badge. Another account's biographical blurb says, doing my part to stop Western support for the Ukrainian war machine one taxpayer at a time. It regularly tweets videos uh, that says it shows Russians killing Ukrainian soldiers. Most of the dozen such accounts identified by Reset were created last year during the first phase of the war in Ukraine. Archived web pages show the accounts lacked blue check marks until recently, after new owner Elon Musk introduced a pay-to-play model and said he would phase out the legacy verifications that have identified politicians, journalists, and other notable figures and weeded out imposters. It did none of that. Musk has said that in the future, tweets and replies from such paid subscribers will be featured even more prominently in Twitter's newsfeed and search. But some of the accounts have already been getting more views in recent weeks. Musk has boosted one of the accounts by replying to its tweets, including one spreading a lie that thousands of NATO troops had died in Ukraine. At least two prominent members of Afghanistan's Taliban regime also paid 8 or $11 monthly for blue checks until the media reported it last month and their verifications were removed after the reports. Twitter's treatment of Russia has come under special scrutiny because Musk has a complex but critical role in the Ukrainian conflict. His company SpaceX has been essential to Ukraine's defense, providing thousands of Starlink satellite communication terminals that allowed Ukraine to maintain internet service despite Russian attacks on infrastructure. But he has also said Starlink should not be used for offensive military purposes and tweeted a proposal for resolving the war that Russia welcomed, just annex part of it. That's his peace plan, same as Trump's. And Starlink, by the way, he's been jamming it purposefully so that it can't communicate signals for drones. He says drones are offensive. I say they're defensive. But the big thing here is he's saying, well, I don't want to, I have a moral obligation, which is bullshit because just last December, a couple of months ago, he created Star Shield, which is just Starlink, but for war. 
that would allow drone communication. But we would have to have a whole new contract and buy that. Starlink has the capability to do it. In addition to human-powered troll accounts, automated accounts have been pushing pro-Russian disinformation, according to longtime researcher Mark Owen Jones, a professor at Hamad bin Khalifa University in Qatar. Jones found that a key group of influencers promoted a conspiracy theory that the United States caused the Turkish earthquake as punishment for the country's opposition to expanding NATO and that their, tw- their tweets were amplified by thousands of accounts, including hundreds of accounts that were created simultaneously over a few days in October and in April. I have been fucking saying this. I have pictures. I have documentation of the Elon bot accounts, all created in April 2022 and October 2022. They're all that, all of them. And I was followed by thousands of them. They swarmed me. I told you. Nearly a thousand of these amplifiers have also tweeted that Ukrainian leader Volodymyr Zelensky is a war criminal. This subset was predominantly MAGA accounts, he said, referring to those with the acronym or other keywords favoring Trump supporters in their biographies. What made this group interesting is that they were created in a short space of time, which looks anomalous, i.e. potentially propaganda accounts. (laughs) I feel like every time I say, look at all these accounts, no photo, less than five, fewer than five followers, they, they only reply and retweet. They don't have any original tweets, and they were all created in April and October of 2022. Look, look. Everyone's like, you're crazy. Am I? Maybe, but not about this. All right, we'll be right back with Frangela. We're going to talk about the blue check Twitter stuff. We're going to talk about the Jarvanka subpoenas. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I take AG, AG1 by Athletic Greens every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to boost my gut health and give my immune system some support. I take AG1 right after I wake up, before I have my coffee, before I go to the gym. It makes me feel like I'm ready to take on the day. It's amazing, and it tastes delicious. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. Right now, they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. friend asked me the other day, what I would choose if I had to only pick one thing to help take care of my health. And I told him, AG1 by Athletic Greens. Just one delicious scoop of powder mixed with water once a day. Saves me time, saves me money, saves me cabinet space with all the supplements I was taking before. It's so much easier. AG1 really is a seamless, easy daily habit. It pays off massive dividends for your health. Right after I started taking it, I noticed an improvement in my digestion, my gut, my skin, my hair started feeling softer. Plus, it tastes amazing. I can't recommend AG1 by Athletic Greens enough. You have to try it. And if you're looking for a simpler, cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you that free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. That's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Check it out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am so excited today. I am joined by the hosts of the Final Word podcast and Idiot of the Week podcast, Frangela. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, I'm so I've been dying to hear your take on the breaking news today. There's a couple of stories I wanted to ask you about. First of all, Ivanka and Jared have been subpoenaed to testify before the federal grand jury by the special counsel. And I was wondering what your hot take is on this, because it's been a minute. 
Let me tell you, I can hear the calling of glory. <laughs> let me tell you, we let, we need to get into this, this vibe of them being called out. And this is just the beginning of the deliciousness. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm, I've been looking at hats because I'd like to wear a different hat. For every day that they have to testify, just you know, like a church hat, you know, my crown. I want yes, to your crown, girl. I want to wear my black lady crown to enjoy it because when rich white spoiled awful people like them get dragged in, Ooh. Um, black angel gets its wings. It's I'm telling it's you, beautiful. the ancestors are calling out, going oh. hallelujah. <laughs> I can't wait to watch them walk in on a subpoena because. Finally, finally, somebody is going to call these people out. Mm -hmm. They should let like regular people ask like one question. (laughs) Yeah, if I if I were in there, I'd be like, what's up with the two billion dollars you got from the bones? Yes. That's why you the head bitch bitch in charge. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Where that money? You know what? That's so black. That's pure blackness. Where that money? You you know what? And that was, I could totally hear your neck like rolling. Like, uh, excuse Mm -hmm. me, where that $2 billion? I know you don't think you're going to get to talk about that $2 billion. I know you don't think that. Yeah, unfortunately, they're probably not going to ask him about that uh, in this particular grand jury setting. Although they might. I mean, they can ask him anything they want. But, you know, we recently learned, right, that Mike Pence had been subpoenaed and then he's going to fight this subpoena with a a pretty novel and not a totally ridiculous argument that he might be covered under the speech or debate clause. And I think he would end up losing that. But that is something that the Supreme Court might hear, which could drag stuff out forever. So if I'm Jack Smith, I'm thinking, how can I do this without Pence's testimony. And Ivanka is probably the closest thing you have to what took place in those phone calls. Do you know what I'm talking about? So that's sort of I'm wondering if that's like why he went this way. Yeah, because somebody got to tell the truth. OK. And her name is Ivanka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. And she was a little bit not forthcoming with the January 6th select committee. So it'll be interesting no, to she see. Was not. She yeah. was a little bit constipated in her languaging. about her papa (laughs) yeah so maybe with uh, in front of a federal grand jury that might be a little different because it's a little harder to fight a federal grand jury subpoena than it is to fight a congressional subpoena all right so with that in mind you know you bring up a great point if regular people can just come in and ask one question you got my two billion dollar question angela what would your question be my question would be do you hate tiffany i want to know about the real truth in the Trump household and what's going on with Marla Maples in that situation. Now, that is my, that's my, like, what do you call it, like, Entertainment Tonight question? Mm. <laughs> well, see, my, my question my, would be... Well, your political question? What's your political question, girl? My political question would be, I would like to know about your patents in China. Would you like to explain the journey of those patents? Because it seemed very short and quick and fast and expeditious. And I would like to understand how that happened. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the China trademarks. That's definitely a very good question that I I think we would all wish to know the answer to, especially since they're the ones who come out and say Biden and China and everybody, you know, basically Mm -hmm. every accusation is an admission of guilt. So I hope if there are speaking indictments from the special counsel, we'll find out what what information was gained from from questioning Ivanka and Jared. But now I'd like to ask about this other story that I talked about earlier in the show. All of these Russian trolls, mm. bots and actual people signing up for blue checkmark verification, which you can just buy now and then you can get priority in other people's feeds. Mm-hmm. And so Elon Musk is we have to pause here for a moment to understand the damage that he is doing to the American political system. What he's allowing is Kremlin propaganda mm-hmm. to get be verified on an American platform that he bought for to be able to allow as many people as he sees fit access to American minds and our political system. Mm-hmm. No, That's yeah, what's happening. I think it's even further. I feel like it's time to ask, like, what do you call, Allison, you're an expert on this, what does it take to be called a foreign government's asset? Like, what does it take to be called to be classified as an agent of a foreign government? Because at this point, he's, it's, not, it's not even just opening it up. He quite clearly, he is promoting those, those accounts. He is promoting these articles that are propaganda straight out of the Kremlin. He is, in, in my view, he is what we call an active foreign agent. And do active foreign agents have the legal right to own social media platforms in this country? <laughs> like, this is what, I, I mean, that's where I'm at. And I don't know, I'm at a loss of what we're supposed to do as people who utilize this social media to, to you know, to organize against this. I feel like I don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah, well, yeah. there are rules in place with, you know, how much a foreign per, like country or entity can invest in a social media platform to have access to our data, our, you know, Twitter mm-hmm. users information. And that is currently being investigated. And interestingly, we can tie this Twitter bot thing together with the one Kushner question if he comes in and talks to Jack Smith, because, as you know, we saw Kushner and Elon with MBS at the World yes. Cup. And then the next day he stepped down as CEO. And I have to wonder what Kushner's role in Twitter is or the takeover of Twitter or. And we've heard Elon say been being clandestinely recorded on conference calls saying, oh, it's easy to create followers. You just get a warehouse full of 10,000 people with 100 phones each. And, you know, they create accounts for you. And it's like, oh, that's really interesting that you specifically know that. And sort of what the deal was between what's the deal? No, what the you know, the deal between Kushner and Saudi Arabia and Twitter and Elon and and yeah. what that has to do with the current political. I mean, they're, you know, looking at what that has to do with the January 6th attack on the Capitol, you know, maybe, maybe not. But what that has to do with Twitter going forward, I would certainly be very curious to know. America is going to have to reckon with uh, when we have what we do when we have terrorists within. And we don't want to deal with that. We don't want to turn to a successful American business person and say, hey, we're going to question your your modus operandi. (laughs) We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to put on our big girl panties in this country Mm -hmm. and get serious about people doing harm within. We're always we want to be angry at everybody without, but we do not want to deal with our problems in this country. 
Yeah, and currently the only organizations we can label as terror organizations are foreign organizations. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and the only way we're going to see, and we've seen this a couple of times with January 6th rioters, the boots on the ground folks, in sentencing memos, requesting what's called a domestic terror, you know, like add-on to, to sort of increase the, go to upward uh, departure from regular sentencing guidelines. Mm-hmm. And, and I assume that's going to happen with those who were convicted of seditious conspiracy. They'll have that aggravating factor of domestic terrorism in their sentencing memos. But currently, that is the only way we can punish anybody that's a domestic terrorist. We can't legally label them as such. And so here we are. And here we are. And we don't, and America does not want to call her sons that she birthed. And I, and I get it. No mama wants to. But when you have a problem in your house, you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, that they're the government has always utilized those people to to keep us from being able to organize, <laughs> you know, like to keep poor people against each other. You know, it's a lot yes. easier to control a population that's fighting itself you know, then, you know, if you've got because meanwhile, while all this is going on, you know, you've got DeSantis and people like trying to stop AP classes in African-American history. And you're like, OK, first of all, there are tr- companies that are dumping toxic chemicals literally all over towns right in Ohio. We got we got foreign agents running Twitter and running, you know, and 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 billions of dollars being sent by governments that have executed people, you know, citizens of the or residents of this country. and you're wandering around talking about critical race theory. It's 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 always been a tool. The Klan, all of those things have always been a tool of the gut of certain parts of the government to keep, I believe, working class people and poor people and just the 99 percent of us from doing anything about the fact that one percent of us is getting everything. Well, yeah, I mean, all we watch all day long is Republicans redistrict reality at this point. All of reality. And then all we're doing, I feel like, on the left is sitting here going, okay, that's not even real. Uh, That's crazy. Uh, You know, we are the little boy putting our thumbs in the dikes of their lies and insanity. That's right. It's so important to do what you said, Allison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's it's too much to yeah, stop. It's, it's so important to do what you said, to take the W, to take the wins, to act like you're a winner. Like to, to say, look, dude, that's right. <laughs> you know, subpoenaing these people <laughs> is an important step in prosecuting them. <laughs> like that yeah. Now happen. we can talk about, you know, why we're subpoenaing them two years after the fact. We can talk about what. Why? Like, did we need to wait this long to get pretty much everybody who's underneath them, all of their testimony and email records and text messages and WhatsApp and disappearing signal messages and, you know, go after all that. Then you can get all that. Then you can subpoena the next person up because, you know, they won't bring anybody in the grand jury room and ask them questions that they don't have answers to generally. I mean, that's generally how, how it works or at least have some evidence to back up their questioning. So that, you know, but. We can talk about that. We can have that debate all day. But, you know, we put this information out on Twitter. You put it out on your podcasts and people are like, oh, so what? Wake me up when there is an indictment. As if an indictment of Donald Trump is the thing that's going to the magic bullet that's going to save democracy. It's one of a hundred things that has to happen for democracy not to fail. It's important. But, you know, we put out the news. We talk about these subpoenas. And and when there's a, a win like this, I feel like we should celebrate it more. We're winners. We should act like it. I've always thought that. You're so right. And it is an action, Allison. 
Okay. And it's action along the way. We can't, we can't get to where we want to go without these indictments, you know, and without the subpoenas, we can't get to the indictments until we have the subpoena. That's the first phase. And this is the other thing about where we are in America. You have people saying, eh, it's not a big deal if the president's daughter and son-in-law who worked in the administration gets subpoenaed by somebody who used to work at the Hay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just keep thinking of... Uh... To fly, one must first learn to walk. One cannot fly into flying, which is Nietzsche, but it's also uh, Akeem from Coming to America quoting Nietzsche, which is why I know it. Uh, most of my, you know, intellect on on those subjects comes from pop culture references. <laughs> I thought you were going to say specifically Coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> like you just well, live that, by that you know, movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's where I get my Nietzsche quotes. I, I know the six types of quarks from Roxanne with Steve Martin. You know, I could have learned that in science class, but no. Uh, but, you know, regardless of where we get our knowledge, it's very important that these steps be taken and that they be reported on. And I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I completely concur. Deeply. Well, ladies, tell me a little bit about when I can listen and where I can listen to the Final Word podcast. And, of course, Idiot of the Week, which is just a smash hit. Ooh, girl, come on in here and get your yayas, okay? The final word, you know, and Idiot of the Week are on MSW Media, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and where you get all your podcasts. And come on in to listen to the final word because we are rocking and rolling on politics every week. And when you then get done with getting your mind full, what else we got for you, Angela? Then we got the stupid. Because they need their time in the sun. <laughs> it's our mission, as you know, Allison. We are we fight against stupid. And the way we do it is we identify it and mock it. It's our calling. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's it's True. truly it's you, you never the want sisters of perpetual mockery is Thank yes. You. See, mm-hmm. you know, oh yes. you've been to yes. have you been to a service? That's wonderful. I have. I have. <laughs> sit stand, Neil, sit stand, Neil. Mock, 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 sit stand. It's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. It's wonderful. We have a good time. We have a good time. We got so, a yeah, show this weekend. Some- Yes, we are in Portland this weekend doing a show. Uh, we're recording our sophomore uh, comedy album at the Curious Comedy Theater this Saturday night. Oh, So if you are in the Portland area, get your butt down and come hear history, adoring Black history. Yes, and you should probably listen to the debut album first before yes. you go and, and watch the sophomore recording mm-hmm. of the second album. It's I think it's very important. Where can people get that? You can go to uh, Kill Rock Stars and we're up. It's called Resist. You can even just put it in. Put Resist and Frangela. Go on ahead now. <laughs> Very easy to find. I love you guys so much. Thank you for being here. And uh, it's always, always a pleasure. And uh, people can catch you everywhere. They catch you on stage on the Steph Miller Show. And then, of course, final word, Idiot of the Week and wherever else you're making your appearances. I appreciate your time today. For Angela, everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, or you want to play 
wet the mat or find the cat or you want to do shit kids say or shit your parents say or shit you say. Sometimes I say the dumbest stuff and I would love to share it with you. And we also want to hear shout outs for people you love in your life or local businesses in your area that, you know, you want to support or an adoptable pet near you. Just send them to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, good news for Virginia. Jennifer McClellan just became the first black woman elected to represent Virginia in the U.S. House of Representatives. Please celebrate this historic moment for Virginia. And then we have a picture of the Richmond Times-Dispatch with uh, right on the cover, McClellan makes history above the fold. Fantastic. Congrats, Virginia. Next up from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hello! I'd been offline for a bit, but I'm listening again. Thanks for being there. A couple of days ago, someone wrote in that a chow-chow gene is so common because they've been around so long and are a basal breed for many of the modern crosses. I forget if it was you or they who wondered why, as another older breed, the Pekingese doesn't show up as much. That was me, because I had a Pekingese. I expect it's because they were a royal breed, ownership restricted to imperial family members in the Forbidden City. As such, and as a house pet breed, they've only been, shall we say, out and about for a little over 100 years, as opposed to the more widespread working chows. Ah! That explains it. Yes, thank you. Good news, I've qualified for subsidized insurance and I'm hoping for progress soon on my physical and mental issues so I can get to work. Thanks for creating the community I can share that with without judgment. You are welcome and thank you. That is awesome. I'm so glad you've qualified for subsidized insurance. Fantastic. Thank you, Anonymous. Uh, Next up, another Anonymous submission from she, her. Children really do say the darndest things. I work with children ages three to six in a Montessori children's house, and I hear so many sweet things. Last week, a three-year-old was eating a muffin and asked another what it was. She told him and added, you can come to my house and eat some. His reply was, oh, okay. Do you want to come to my house too? You can come to my house and snuggle with my mom. Oh, that punched me right in the heart. So sweet. They're funny and sweet things these children say every day, and I'm so grateful to have been able to make a career change at 50 in order to be around them. That is so cool. This has restored some of my faith in humanity that I had lost in the first year of the pandemic, as have you all. And thanks so much to people who have donated subscriptions. I know it's a free show, but I appreciate not having to listen to ads. Hopefully I can return the favor to another listener someday. Anonymous, thank you. And thank you to all of our our patrons who have donated a year's subscription, a year's premium subscription. That is the coolest thing. We've had over, I think, 750 now. I think we're coming up on 800. If you want to sign up to get one of those free years or give, you can do that at dailybeanspod.com. Scroll down to patrons helping patrons. Next up from Robert, as in Robert. He, him. Hey, Beans Queens. Not sure if you're aware, but one of the small walking parades of carnival season here in New Orleans is the Mystic Crew of Barkus, the highlight of the season for pup lovers like y'all. Crewofbarkus.org. That's K-R-E-W-E of Barkus, B-A-R-K-U-S dot org. It's a lovable bunch of weirdos celebrating all things canine. Oh, amazing. Thank you for this photo, too. Look at that hound dog with the ears. Uh, so, so adorable. I got to get it back out to New Orleans. Thank you for that. Lady of the Farm, pronouns she and her. Yay, Lady of the Farm. Long time no here. This may be the youngest wooby-lovey, stuffy, whatever. Last week, I finished my most recent bunny. Almost one minute ago, and the kids are already fighting over them. 
I've decided to name them Millennium Hand and Shrimp, or Bugrit for short. The lights here are a little screwy because of the plant growth light, but they are silver with rainbows in the ears and fluffy butt dongle. Each of the kids has one I have made for them after our old house was destroyed and still bring them out to snuggle on the couch on rainy days. Look how beautiful. (gasps) I love these. And the little pom-pom on the butt. Now I see it. That's so, so adorable. I love the colors. These are the newest. Yes, I I would concur. A minute old are the newest whoobies, loveys, stuffies. Thank you. Oh, and look, there they are. Adorable. Thank you, Lady of the Farm. And thanks to everybody for submitting your good news today. If you have any good news you want to share with us, please do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. My special guest tomorrow will be Greg Oliar from the Prevail podcast. I'm very much looking forward to speaking with my good friend. And I told you it was going to be a busy news week. Um, And also, I have created an account. Okay, so every time I post news on Twitter, I've, you know, got like 600,000 followers now. Inevitably, there's hundreds of people who are like, you know, when I, for example, I tweeted out today that Jarvanko, they were subpoenaed. Inevitably. Whatever. Yawn. Wake me up when Trump is indicted. Wake me up when there's indictments. I don't care. Whatever. Stop. Uh, You know, just wake me up when there's indictments. So what I did was I created a Twitter account called indictments only is what it is at indictments only. And all I'm going to put on there is when people in these investigations that we're following are indicted. I mean, I'm going to put them on my main Twitter account, too. But if you want to follow at indictments only and turn on notifications, you can make it so you're only notified when there's indictments. And that way, everybody's happy. All right, everybody, I'll be back tomorrow in your ears. We'll see if anything massive happens out of Georgia between now and then. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>